Oh, 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 cheeky monkeys. Get on with it. Toffee, toffee. Hashtag fuckheadies. That's magnificent. Hello, John. Up and down. Well done. Bye bye. Come on! Yeah, yeah, real fast. After the 53rd minute, we didn't register a single shot all match. Just point you out. You just opened the show with that. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Hello and welcome to ADW Live. <laughs> How the devil are you all? Um, yeah, well, you know, um, Drew's just come back on board, so we're having those teething problems. Um, First in the box tonight was Ron Reed. That, that's cheered me way, up way too much. That's been the highlight of my day, that has. Um, first in the box is Ron Reed. Then there's Daz316. Then we've got Gunner93. Then Ron Reed. George Constantino. Um, Constantino. Sorry, George. I mean, we got that wrong. Christian Anderson is there. Archie's there. Um, Reese1237. Srinath Murali, Rudy Rastlos, Thomas from Norway, um, boom, 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 Loki 73, John Bernstein, and PG Nez, Julian Salmon. Julian Salmon's been in the box a lot recently. Nice to see you, Jill. Marcus Hodges, David is in there, and Jim Housen. Hello, one and all. Um, yeah. Uh, not unexpected, I suppose. But not a great day. Let's introduce you to my two guests today. First and foremost, you've heard him already. It's Drew. How are you, pal? I think I already introduced myself, so we can move past that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate. Four times on the trot now. <laughs> good to see you guys. Fantastic. It's good to have you on board. Corey Austin's in the box. Um, I'm looking for We've had a donation. And I'm looking for it here. And I can't find this. Michael Harneman's donated and he said something. I gotta find it. Um, but whilst oh, here we go. Emery at it again, takes them to go 2 0 up to bring on Pepe. Can't wait for the international break. Sick of this now. Mike, you're not alone, mate. And my other guest, he's my number one. He's the Albert to my Costello. He's the Eric to my Ernie. It's John Welsh. Say hello, John. Hello, John. Hey, that was painful. That was painful. Watching that was painful. Uh, quick shout out as well for J-Rob. Thank you for the donation, J-Rob. Uh, our man, lads, cheer me up. We'll, we're going to try, J-Rob. We'll try our hardest, but I don't know how easy it's going to be. I missed I missed that donation. I do apologise, J-Rob. Thanks, thanks, Bob. Um, okay, a couple of quick shout-outs before we start. Um, to Carl Walker, that London guy. He's not ruining your journey home today. He's at his mum's birthday bash. So, Carl, wish your mum a happy birthday from all the boys. Um, this is going to get heated today. So, you know, let's just keep it in proportion, guys. Before the game, you saw people, um, saw representatives then wreaths down. You saw the silence for Remembrance Sunday, which is in the UK um, tomorrow. There are worse things that happen at sea than losing a football game. I know we're all um, frustrated at the moment. I know it's unpleasant what we're watching, but let's let's just you know let's just have a think about what we're saying and doing. 
you know, we all get overheated at times, nobody more than me. So let's just really, you know, relax. We're going to have a moan, we're going to have a groan, but remember on Sundays tomorrow, and I think it's a time for us to really have a think about what's important in life, okay? So let's get on with it. John, to you first, mate. Um, Ozil playing away, three at the back, no Socrates, no Pepe. Hmm, what were your thoughts? Um, there was some good things from it, I thought, and some bad. Um, I think Ozil's done okay. He's, you know, played pretty well since he's come back into the side after being put out in the cold for a while. So I thought that was merited. Um, two up front, or in the way we played it anyway, was uh, bold, but this was always going to be a game where I thought we were going to have to outscore Leicester if we were going to have any chance of winning because I couldn't see us not conceding. Um, three at the back. Oh, I don't know. It's okay if you play it right. Um, it makes sense. David Luiz is, for me, a much better centre-back in a three and he's got that passing range. The issue I had is the getting outnumbered in midfield. Um, and and what's that? What that is going to do to us there, which obviously did happen in the game. Pepe, I don't know why he hasn't started this game. He didn't start the last one, did he? So I don't know. I think it's more because of the system he decided to go with. Um, I'm slightly iffy about why he started Kalasinic over Tierney as well. That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But overall, a little bit surprised he went to the back three, but fairly pleased with the lineup. I would have liked to see Pepe start. Um, but yeah, Socrates is coming out. I thought Chambers has played well. Holding needs to try and get back into the team, and I don't think David Luiz is the worst defender in the world, as some people call him. So, yeah, fairly pleased with the lineup. Just a little bit concerned with the midfield as usual. Yeah, um, Drew, on this week's pod, you spoke about going three at the back today, and you weren't happy about it. Um, can you expand on that, please, Pat? Still unhappy about it. <laughs> the results sort of suggest that. For me, um, the issue was always going to be the midfield battle. I think you knew Leicester was going to go with a four-three-three. You know what they're what that four-three is capable of. It's got a, the right balance about it, um, and just two in midfield just isn't going to be enough. And against a, a side like Leicester, who, um, if you listen to our blog this week, you know they they delve into the fact that Leicester are more expansive now under Rodgers. He's brought in more more possession game. They like to build play. It's not just counterattacking. So. Going, allowing them to have three midfield allows them to still build play. It's not just win the ball back and ping it forward anymore to Vardy or you know to Mahrez when he was there. It's a little bit different now. They like to control the match. So if you allow them to control the match, you've almost played yourself out of the ability to get, to get a result. And three at the back will work when it's well drilled, when the players will know their roles. But also you need to have a really good midfield pivot that is balanced and understands what to do. And I don't think ours did. And I think that issue is exacerbated by the fact that the center back struggled to step up a little bit and, and give Torrey and Ganduzi some additional support almost to make it a three midfield at times, depending on uh, how play progressed. And we didn't do that. So for large portions of the match, you know, I mean, they, they overran us completely. Torrey looked pedestrian, I think not because it was his own fault, but we'll, we'll come on to that later. I'm yeah. sure Ganduzi's positioning was interestingly poor very often. And then yeah, the forward coming to that now, I think you've explained no, Hold on, but one more thing though. We we it looked okay when the forwards pressed well. The problem is the forwards didn't press well con- consistently enough, and then that's when it would break down. So 
Yeah, okay, we're going to get into that now. I want to come to mm-hmm. two, two donations. The magnificent David Marr um, has donated 10 quid. Um, Dave, Dave would have been, last when we played Wolves the other day, Dave would have been really, really torn on that one. His dad, who passed away last year, was a really big Wolves fan. So, I'm, uh, you know, that, that was... That was a nice one. Dave would be thinking his dad last week, and that would have been lovely. Um, also, Petito 100 donates with $5, and he just turns around and says, questions also need to be asked to the board. At the end of the Europa League final, we knew we needed an attacking mid and the top quality centre-backs. I think that's fair comment, pal. We're going to get into that. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll expand on that later on in the questions section. Um some interesting points to the pair of you there, guys. I really enjoy that. Um, uh, the one thing I'm going to say now, John, the game opened up. It was energetic, but but KG. Do you know what I mean? Um, you saw both teams on the go at each other. Lots of counterattacks. And then the first big incident we have, okay, I, I, I couldn't quite believe what I was watching. Leicester have um, a penalty shout. Sionku or Sionchu or however you describe um, um, <laughs> uh, right, yes. Sionchu is it? Sionchu. Sionchu, yeah. Is pulled back by um, Gwendozi in what can only be described as the biggest act of stupidity I've seen on the, at the beginning of the game in a long, long time. Um, it, let's be honest, it should have been a penalty. No ifs, no buts. What the fuck is going through his mind at that point, John? Because I really need somebody to explain it to me. Um, I'm really not sure. Look, I think Soyuncu went down easy, but Gwendozi gave him the option to. Um, I'm amazed that VAR didn't pull that back for a penalty. I don't know if they took into consideration that he perhaps wasn't going to get to the ball. Um, but yeah, if I'm a Leicester fan, I'm, I'm absolutely screaming for a penalty on that uh, on that instance. And it's just, it's a really good delivery and it's a good runoff and Gwendouzi just doesn't follow his man properly. Um, he's not the only one who's guilty of it in this team. So many players do it. But yeah, it was a really stupid moment and you just hope it's one of those things that is a um, sort of idiot moment because of age and lack of experience rather than uh, something that's going to be in his game, you know, five, six years from now. now. So yeah, very stupid. Lucky we didn't concede a penalty there, but yeah, it, it weren't easy from the start. It was tense and, you know, we got forward a couple of times, but Leicester were really dominant on the ball, I thought, and penned us in so well. Yeah, um, you know, again, we have no cohesion. What we did do, though, on occasion, um, Drew, is a counter-attack well. And we see a really good Arsenal counter-attack. Unfortunately, Lacazette puts the ball wide. Do you think he should have done better? Yeah, I think he could have, but I think it showed the intent of maybe almost what Unai was going for. I don't think that... I think we can all agree he didn't come into this match looking to control proceedings, so I think every chance we've gotten to, to get on a counter, I think we needed to take, and I think that was almost kind of the issue. Um, but I, I really don't know if this side's built to play a, a counter-attacking system, particularly with some of the players that we had on the pitch, and also um, I don't think we just... I just think we lacked that final ball, maybe. I think... Um, again, I, I don't know if having Ozil essentially go into a reduced number nine role and having Aubameyang and Lacazette often drift out wide, I don't think that's the way that, that, that it could be used. I think if we were going to go with a more direct approach, I think Pepe had to start. So I think I could question that. 
and maybe you sacrifice either Mesozoa or you sacrifice one of Lacazette or Aubameyang. But um, that's kind of a bigger systemic question or answer um, in terms of Lacazette. You know, he's it's hard for him to find form when he's always in another team or you know never getting ninety minutes. Or obviously his head's a bit down. I don't think he's quite happy necessarily. So could have done better, but I, don't, I think he had a good match despite that. But we can come on to that later for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Slevin A piles in with sorry, Slevin A. Piles in the donation and he says, I'll take Bruce Riok back. <laughs> That's not outlandish anymore, is it? It's just not. It's not outlandish at all. Um, John, um, you see Tielman's fizzing when across the crossbar, um, across the, across the face of the goal, sorry, after a quick throw in. Chambers, I'm not sure if he actually gets a touch on it, but he does enough to put Vardy off. Then you see Lacazette hitting one wide. Um, the, uh, like, like as as Drew's just mentioned, we got we got no control over this game whatsoever, have we? You know, um, we got two central midfielders who are out of their depth in a two-man midfield. Um, what is going through Unai's mind when he looks at this? There's about twenty-five minutes gone. Um, we're under the cosh a bit. Yeah, I I think the thing is, whilst it stays nil-nil, because we have had a couple of breaks and you talked about the Lacazette chance where he probably should have done that better or maybe hit the target. Um, and we had a few breaks where it didn't quite come off for us. Although Leicester were definitely the better team, I thought, uh, throughout the 90 and obviously had a lot more of the players, especially in the first half. We're still in the game, so there's still that chance there. So I think in Emery's head, he's looking at as going, okay, we kind of give up possession, we let them play with the ball a little more, come on to us, and then try and break and use Lacazette, uh, use Aubameyang. You know, Urza was picking up good spots, making good runs. Bellerin and Kalasinec, more so Bellerin, um, to be fair, were getting high up the pitch at times uh, when we did manage to break. So, I mean, even me watching it, it was clear that the midfield was an issue and, you know, like Madison and Didi and Tielemans were just walking around us in midfield. But I just thought, whilst it's nil-nil, if we just get one, if we can get one goal, then, you know, we're fine. And the fact that we managed to keep it nil-nil for so long is such a good thing. And I think that's why he doesn't go to affect it. But he must be, you know, stood there watching and thinking, okay, the midfield isn't going to work and at some point I'm going to have to change this or flex the system slightly because either David Luiz has got to step up and help with the midfield or Mesut Ozil's got to push on to Ndidi in some way because he wasn't really marking him, you know, or as Drew said at the start, the forwards have got to push on and make it harder for the back for Sonchu and Evans to play out from the back and we just weren't doing any of those things. David Luiz at times looked lost and wasn't quite sure whether he should be ahead of the other two centre-backs and helping out in the midfield or dropping in and that that balance there between the two midfielders and Louise's position just wasn't working at all either. No, absolutely. Um, Drew, you know, we, we, we see a point, um, you see a poor Bellerin giveaway as they're trying to play the ball out and lead to a pair, a Leno making a save from Perez. The lack of movement and, and, and ability, athletic ability in the midfield was absolutely crucifying us. Meanwhile, they, they, they're coming on. They, 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 they really are um, hungry for the fight. Do you know what I mean? They're eager to get on every single ball. Um, and, but we're creating chances, aren't we? 
what do you think of at this point? Because you know, Jaws Johnson, he sees what Emery's thinking. But if you're Brendan Rodgers, for argument's sake, what are you looking at at this point? I think it's kind of the same thing. I, I don't feel that any decent manager in the league can look at us and, and not have an easy time dissecting what our problems are. It's the same problems that have persisted not just this season, but in large swaths of last season as well. The balance is always off. Players lack positional awareness and oftentimes can be easily caught out of position when you transition quickly. Um, and all you have to do is move off the ball and you can catch us out. Um, so for me, I just kind of feel like maybe that's why I think Leicester at times press quite well because they know that we kind of under pressure, we do tend to make we give a possession way easily. Even Leno gave possession way easily and almost had a own goal himself. You know, just yeah. all it is, all it takes is one moment of just put us under the caution and all of a sudden the wheels kind of fall off. So I feel like that's kind of all you need. And then it, that issue persists when you lack numbers in key areas to to try to build out. And, and you can say Bellin gave the ball away too, but the other issue is that did he really have any options to pass to? So when you for, when you force play, you give the ball away. That's just that's just a simple basics. That's the thing is that there's no, the, the movement off the ball is poor. Yes, it's okay. poor. It's but it's always been poor. Yeah, but going up the line is awful. In midfield, I mean, I'm having a go at Ben Doozy tonight. Okay, <laughs> I'm having a Right up. Um, I, I honestly, I think he hides in midfield. He'll happily stand there next to an opponent, not offering himself. And I, I, I find that you know he's only a young player. I get it, but he's hiding at times, and I'm, I'm not happy about that. I don't think he's given his man an option. Torreira, just, just not athletic enough. You know, uh, here we go. Forty minutes, Christ on a bike. This is painful. That, that's my actual note, okay? That's my actual note. Um, you get Madison when, when it just clips the crossbar from a free kick. Um, you know, we are awful. That's my next note. John, you know, there are people paying good money to watch this. And that first half, I, I mean... There's so little content for me to talk about here. What do you make of it? Um, I mean, I think everyone kind of felt going into this game that I think most people probably had us down to lose or like if you asked them beforehand would have taken a draw because of the way Leicester are playing at the moment and the form we're in. Um, there was a few little bright sparks in the, I think there was one moment where we managed to work it out from really tight at the back as we picked it up on the left-hand side and it went over and I think it came to Bellerin in the box. And I think it ended up being caught, pulled back for offside just at the last second. And it would have been an amazing goal um, had the move been allowed to continue. And it was just tiny little glimpses like that where I was just like, if one of these comes off, we're going to score an amazing goal. And, you know, wow, we've really sort of turned the tide because Leicester looked comfortable in possession. Like we just couldn't get any handle on Madison at all. Vardy's movement was excellent up front for them. I thought Perez was really good. We managed to keep Barnes quiet for the most on the left-hand side and they didn't get their fullbacks too involved. But the amount of time that Madison and Telemans were getting on the ball and the slickness of their passing and stuff, there's kind of there's those games where sometimes you just have to say that one team is better than the other. And I think today, to be fair, Leicester were better. And if they had taken some of the other chances they created, it would have been more than 2-0. I think that would have been a little bit flattering 
there's no denying they were the better team, but I thought we did have our chances. Just it was either the final pass weren't coming off or the finish wasn't there. But again, you had this inconsistency in the forwards aren't pressing, so then the midfield are kind of disjointed, they're outnumbered. David Louise doesn't know whether he's supposed to be joining in the midfield or sitting back in the back three. When we haven't got the ball, the fullbacks are too deep, and it's yeah, it's just too difficult. Um so I don't know. I was happy to get in at nil nil at half time and I thought maybe em- Emery looks at it and says, Okay, the midfield isn't working. We've managed to hold on till half time at nil nil. We switch things up a bit. Maybe you bring Pepe in or you know, uh, you you move Bamiang to the left and, and take one of the defenders out, something like that. Just that was like my sort of clinging on to something. Because I thought if it carried on the way it was, eventually Leicester are just gonna put one of those away. But, but this is the thing. I mean, my notes at the, at the end of the half are awful, but good chances. Right? You know, um, but the one thing I don't get, Drew, you know, your perspective on this, and I think it's going to be, I think we're all kind of singing off the same hymn sheet at the moment. <clears throat> but if you're going to play a counter-attacking game, okay, you know, you need to solidify that midfield area. So you need to stack it a little bit more, as you said, mentioned earlier on, and you need a little bit of pace. And Pepe's got bags of pace, you know. Playing into playing into space is a strength for him, and we're not using him. I mean, what, what are you putting this down for? I don't know, and I don't know if any of us know. And I think that's kind of one of the sources of frustration. Like again, you know, you kind of understand that. Ozil's done well since he's come back into the side, and you kind of feel like, you know, off off the basis of that, you needed to start him today just because of, you know, you, you want to reward decent form. And I understand that from a managerial perspective and building a player's confidence. But you also have to look at the side that you're playing in and what your match plan is. And if Ozil doesn't fit into the actual match plan overall, then you don't play him. Or the same thing can be said for Lacazette. You know, it's not just Ozil that can be dug out because I don't think he played poorly either. I think you could make a case for Lacazette that could have been the one to not to, to not play. So um, I, I don't know. It just it, it feels like to his credit, you know, Emery does try to to counter his opponent and think his way into solutions. But the problem is he overthinks his way into solutions, and it becomes a, a poor solution with four or five different avenues he could have taken. But he never stuck with one, and never it never comes off as a cohesive plan, and then he just ends up biting us in the ass. So. Again, like I said, you know, a couple of minutes ago, I do think that we missed Pepe in large parts of this game. Um, I think there were certain moments where just having his ability to pick the ball up and, and beat a man or two and create space for himself and then by extension drag a center back over and create a, a space for, for Aubameyang to run into or maybe a late run from midfield, we were lacking that today. So, uh, And once again, we over-relied maybe a little bit too much on the wingbacks for, for certain phases of play. So... Again, systemically, the issues were it wasn't just wasn't cohesive. But again, that's something that we've seen for for months now, and I, I don't see it changing anytime soon. Yeah, this is the thing. Even though even if we've got our wing backs applicated, or we're not holding their full backs back. Exactly. We, you know, when we're just not doing it, they you know they, they're overloading us in midfield. Our our midfield pairing are not capable. Yeah. Of 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 doing the job of a Jacques and a Rambo, they're just nowhere near there, um, and you know. We've got this this lack of cohesion between the midfield and Ozil, Lacazette, and Aubameyang, which mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I don't mind having a pop at Torreira and Guendouzi. I really don't, but the issue there is tactical and setup. 
So the manager has to take the fault on that. Um, that was the first half, guys. Um, very little to be positive about, to be honest. A um, couple of good chances, great, but we didn't put them away. So, you know, that's the way it is. Um, chat box, chat box, chat box. Hi, how are you? It's really nice to see you all in there. Super color, fragilistic, XPR, Sedocious is in there. That's my favorite name ever. Fly KJ's in there. Thunder Road's in there. Um, JH is in there. Zoidberg's in there. Pablo A is in there. Data KLBC's in there. Hello. I got 76 likes. Do you really, really think that is acceptable? Do you really, really think that we have to put ourselves through this week in, week out and not get a like? For pity's sake. Are you all Unai Emery? Are you? Because that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. I expect 180 likes today because we've got to sit through this shit on a weekly basis. And we've got to try to make sense out of it when, to be honest with you, I just want to turn around and say it's another bag of wank from Unai and his boys. That's all it is. It's another bag of wank. Okay? So, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be today? Do you want to be Unai Emery? Or do you want to be Brendan Rodgers taking the three points and going <laughs> and smile on his face? Hey, would I want to be Brendan Rodgers? Yeah, I know, I know. I can't believe I'm saying that. I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah, we all want to be Brendan Rodgers, don't we? Going home, three points in the bag, going, ooh la la, look at me. You can all call me David Brent, but I don't give a shit because I got three points. Honestly, you know, I, I've had it. I've fucking had it. I'm not going to call him names. I'm not going to do it, okay? But I expect 180 likes. So let's get tapping, people. Let's get tapping. Tappy fucking tappy. Let's get going, okay? Because, you know, thank God. I used to hate the international break. Now I cannot wait. I cannot fucking wait for the international break. I get to watch Wales play. Happy days. Rambo in a jersey I like. Oh! And I don't have to watch Unai Emery ball. Which is just fucking killing me, people. It really is. So, in any case, let's get on with it. I got 101 likes. Come on, people. That, get on with it. 180, please. Let's start going. Um, right. So, John, um, second half kicks off, mate. The DD um, hits a crossbar after great work from Ricardo down the side. You, you, you know, they, they come out first, don't they? They come out, they can smell blood. We've made no tactical changes whatsoever. Yeah, um, they came out the same intensity. Look, they're on a fantastic run at the moment. They're playing brilliant football. Um, since Rogers has come in, he's kind of really turned the team around after they, you know, slumped with Claude Puel. Uh, the, the players have invested. They're all young. They're hungry. They want to show what they're about. They've got technical ability. Um, he's kept some of the old guard there to, to keep the fans on side with the likes of uh, Vardy. I'm not even looking at that, Jace. I'm just ignoring that. <laughs> but um, no, it's just... I don't know. It just looked like it was going to be more of the same and I was just waiting for a change to happen, uh, for him to change something up, whether it's bringing on Pepe or Willock or, you know, something about the system at some point was going to have to change because it really wasn't working. Um and yeah, uh, let's be honest, that indeed he should have scored that goal. 
Um, and it was getting more worrying because I thought in the first half we'd managed to keep sort of Chilwell and Ricardo quiet in their fullbacks. And as the second half went on, they started to get more and more into it and they were just getting more bodies forward. To be fair, we did start to see a lot more of the ball, though. It did become a lot more open. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the game did begin to open up later. Aaron Hadari smashes in with a donation and he asks Monsieur Welsh and Thompson thoughts on Pepe. We're going to answer that later, okay? Because we are going to look at our record signing and the fact he's sitting on the bench. Um, yeah. Um, you know, we, we, we get a couple of chances. Luis fires wide after we, you know, we, we mess up an attack and um, the ball breaks Luis. Can't get anything on target at this time. Hector fires hide and wide after a break. We're carrying some threat, aren't we? But do you think at any point Leicester were, were worried about us in front of goal? Because I didn't get the feeling they were. No, I wouldn't say so because we weren't getting the right people in those positions to take those chances. You know, with all due respect, you know, to Bayern and, and to Luis, if, if that's, you know, Pepe coming in on this left foot in Luis's scenario or if it's Obor like I said, with, with Bayern's chance, I think they're more worried. So giving low percentage chances to players who aren't expected to finish, I think you take that when you're a manager and you say that's fine. It's kind of, a, you know, you kind of just let it go. Um, but for maybe a 10 or 15 minute spell, we did, you know, the match, as John said, the match opened up a little bit and then we did sort of get Leicester out of their shape, out of their rhythm and it, and it, and it paid off. We did look like we were going to work our way back into it and then all of a sudden the door closes and then that was our window to take the chance and we didn't and then we lost it after that. Well, well this is the thing, man. I want both your opinions on this. Drew, you first, then across to, to John on this. Then we get Aubameyang scoring, okay? And yes, it's flagged for offside. And the sad part of this is he's way offside for most of the movement and makes no attempt to sort of get back on side. What were your thoughts on that? And you put then over to John. I mean, I don't, I don't even know if I necessarily have a thought. I mean, it's just sometimes things transpire that way and then you kind of just have to shake your head and move past it. Like, I don't know, sometimes I don't even, even consider it, but what does John think? Okay, John? Um, I think it's difficult because Aubameyang's had an amazing season regardless yeah. of how bad he played and he's had a great time at Arsenal. Um, for someone who is so quick, yeah, you shouldn't be caught offside so much. I think when when you're in a game like this where there are large spells of the game where you, you basically don't have anything to do, you're stood around waiting for a ball or waiting for service or you make a run and the play doesn't come out or you're expecting your team to play it out for the back and work it out from a tight situation where you're being closed down because that's the way you've been told to play by the manager and it's not working. You get frustrated and you get overexcited and uh, you step ahead. Should he be onside? Yes, absolutely. Um, if he'd stayed on side, we get a goal and, like, to be fair, it's against the run of play, but it would have been amazing. And I don't know whether it would change the result ultimately at the end of it, but it gives us a chance. Um, it's disappointing for him, but I can't, I don't want to lay too much blame on him because at the moment, I mean, the likes of him and Lacazette, they can push and, and press against teams if they want, but if the people behind them aren't doing it, what's the point? They're scoring goals and getting us out of games where we might lose and maybe it scrapes us a draw or they're winning us games and stuff. They're doing near enough everything they can at, at the moment and the rest of the team around them aren't 
helping them in any way. Um, so I have some sympathy for him. It's, it's disappointing, but I don't know. It, it, it is difficult because as, as much as I was annoyed with him, and I was annoyed with him, you look at his contribution to the team this season and it's been quite magnificent. Yeah. It, it really has. So it's one of those. Mm. Oh, <laughs> that's a whole. That's another debate for another time. I think that may be a podcast debate. That yeah, that's a whole podcast debate. We <laughs> so. laugh again. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> I really do. Um, <coughs> Jesus, um, <laughs> you see Lacazette showing real hustle and muscle um, on Sancho. Um, Ricardo defending well against Aubameyang in the box, and Aubameyang didn't do much wrong, but Ricardo you know, did do, did his business. Chambers cutting out a dangerous ball in the box. Leno saving from Gray. It was a bit of back and forth, but they were the team on top. And then it comes through. It it just comes. Um, goal, Jamie Vardy. No pressure on. Um, he was Gray in the. Um, who had played the initial ball into midfield, and they just played through us, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this in the chat when, as it happened, and I think there are two schools of thought in it. One is obviously I thought that move was brilliant, so you have to tip your hat to it. You know, that was excellent football, and it's really hard to be critical when something comes off that to that level of perfection. You know, that's something that you see, you know, prime Barcelona pull off, you know, prime Spain that that level. Um, but then you watch the replay and then you maybe watch the second replay and then you see <laughs> the things that actually went wrong. Um, so then it becomes difficult. But again, and as we talk in the chat, it, it's the same sort of one or two issues that the, all the, like the defenders and the midfielders, they all kind of switch off. And as the match progressed, Leicester continuously found free free men on top of our box and then you have to ask yourself well how is that possible you know the midfield's not covering the maybe the, the defensive the backs don't have that awareness to maybe check in just a little bit or not check in too much so they don't give them that space but they kept finding that that sort of diagonal cutback into a different area where there was always just a free man or two and then that for me shows a complete systemic breakdown at that back and again we've seen that at large points this season and at large points last season. And the defining factor always was if the other team puts the chance away or not, unless they're good enough to put those chances away. And, you know, we'll come on to Madison's goal later, but that was, you know, a, a perfect strike where most other players probably wouldn't have scored in that moment. But it's those same types of chances we regularly give up, you know, no matter who we played. Burnley had similar chances, you know. So you kind of have to ask yourself, is it – is it the players? You know, is it the, the poor organization? Is no communication still? So, again – and I'm sure we'll come into this later also, but we haven't seen any amount of, again, progression in, in that area in regarding to how we play. And it is frustrating, but with all due respect to, to, you know, to us, it was a brilliant move, so we have to respect it, but it doesn't make it any less frustrating. The annoyance is, John, I mean, from my perspective, the initial ball, there's no attempt to put pressure on the ball. There's no attempt to put any pressure on Gray. The midfield continuously... Uh, allow the ball to come through our, our, our defence. Um, granted, the defence did, didn't really help itself. They didn't they didn't come out to to force Leicester into beating them, so to speak. Again, but, that that issue of defenders or midfielders not going comes down to the system because if you're yeah. in a midfield two and you're up against three, someone like Gray gets the ball, is it the left-sided centre-back who's supposed to go? 
is it the wing back who maybe is caught too high at the pitch? So then it is the centre back who has to go across as a midfielder. Do you then cover across the field there? But then you've left one man in the middle against three midfielders. Um, and you then you're kind of stuck in this. You have to make a decision or you just sit there and you're not affecting the game whatsoever. If you make the decision, all it is is just one easy pass and you're bypassed. And they did it so often in the game today. And as Drew said, it, it's a really good move. The little one-two, the the sort of dummy run over the ball and everything. It's it's really nice football. But it's all of that is stopped by having a system that you go, okay, this is what the opposition are going to do. They've played this all season. They're in really good form. We have to go into the game knowing these are the issues we're going to have to address and play against. And we didn't do it. And we saw how it was happening in the first half. We go into the second half. Nothing's changed. You would think at some point that needs to be changed. And the manager just, just didn't do it. So it was only a matter of time until they scored. And let's be honest, they should have scored before that. Maybe, I know, indeed he should have scored. And Vardy probably should have had one as well. So we could have been 2-0 down at least by that point already. Um, Bellerin as well, he ends up tucked in because the centre-backs are shuffled across, because they don't know one of them's got to go out to grey. So then you end up moving over and he's got too tight and, and Vardy just very cleverly just takes a step or two off off of his back and just finds a little bit of space and it's a really good finish. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. Um, a quote, Drew just put something in our box. Quote from Unai Emery after the game, we can be disappointed, but the attitude of the players was good. They did the, the game plan. And 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 there it is, and and there is my frustration. So look, I feel a little bit for Emery because I do think some stuff gets lost in translation. I, I, I do got, think he struggles a little bit still with his English, despite got, yeah, I've got to be honest. Okay, I've got to be honest with you. I do feel for the guy, okay, because it's a horrible position for him to be in at the moment, <laughs> and I don't want to throw stones. You know, that's not what we wanted to. You know, we. We've been talking about the same problems for over 12 months. Yeah. You know, me and you have sat here and it's like Groundhog Day when you're talking about the same problems for nearly 12 months. Right? I remember us getting called names when we were start, initially we were talking about it on that run. You know, we had people having a pop at us. And yet, funny enough now, those people never turn and say, oh, yeah, you, you were right. They never say that, do they? And we're still we're still doing it here. We're still talking about these same problems, and he's done nothing to change those issues. In fact, it seems as though every decision he's made has comp- has compounded it. They've compounded the problems. So, as much as I feel sympathy for him, and Jesus Falcon puts in there, how can you feel for Unai? He has a squad that's on him. Yeah, it is, and he will get the sack. Okay, but as a human being. I don't want to slaughter the guy. I don't want to, you know, I don't want the witch hunt that we've seen on Xhaka, that we've seen on Mustafi. I'm not going to do that. I do, I do think Emery's right in what he's saying, that I did think the player's attitude was better today. I do. I, as, look, as, as much as Leicester I, were the better team and they played better than us for the majority of the game, I do actually think that's one of our better performances that we've yeah. had. Um, especially away from home this season, and it, that doesn't absolve Emery of any of the issues of the team. That's exactly you know they're still there and they're not getting better, and it is a downward trend. But I did actually think today's performance overall was a lot better from a lot of the players, and the attitude seemed to be better. 
but, yeah, but unfortunately, it's all it, for me anyway. It's all too little, too late. Is is the big sure. issue? John, the big problem is again. Look at Leicester. They're playing with a smile on their face. They're enjoying their football. They all believe in what they're doing. Mm. You don't see that with us, okay? And you can say the attitude is better, and that's fine. I'm not arguing the point, but we are not. You know, there's n- there's no good buzz about us at the moment. There's nothing positive that we are going as a team forward and everybody believes in the project. That's just not there. Yeah. And that's a problem for me. And Blair Slater smashes in the donation. International man in the street, Blair Slater. And he says, my tank is running on empty, boys. I love this club and this is really tough. My 13-year-old is even worse. And that's the problem. We've, we've all been through this over the years. It's tough. It's just... You know, it ain't nice, is it? Um, guys, we got 126 likes. You taking a mickey? Tappy, tappy, let's get going. 180 likes, please. Let's go. Um, Drew, uh, there's a nonsense, nonsense. The second goal goes in. Um, Madison makes it two. I thought it was some really, really good interplay from Leicester on this one. You 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 acknowledge that there was some good interplay, but you had a slightly different take, didn't you? I did. Again, it's just when you look at how free he was, and there's an area where he scored his goal. You, I, I just brought up before. You have to ask the question: What are we doing off ball when we're on defensive third to allow players to be that free? Despite the nature of the move, we saw this under Arsene Wenger as well in this last year or two that we get so easily caught ball watching when we're defending. And our awareness should falls completely off the table, and then that other's allowed to happen. Now, again, you have to give credit because that strike was absolutely sensational, and then even the slightest miss hit, and it's either over the bar or ten yards wide. So, imagine there's a ton of kind of actually putting the chance away, but the fact that he's that open to be able to take that chance is the problem, and that's again a systemic issue. And uh, John was speaking about it just before, where. You know, the wingbacks don't know whether to check in too deep or to stay out wide a little bit. The centerbacks don't know if they're stepping or not stepping. The, the midfielders are all over the shop. They don't know who to pick up because they're already overrun because they're down a man in, in the midfield battle. So it's just when you add all those things combined, it just gives you that perfect storm of issues that we've seen persist time and time again with this team. And it just shows that we're lacking balance across the table and we're lacking cohesion and we lack the ability to communicate and, and problem solve on the fly. These are all things that we've seen for four seasons now, regardless of who the manager is, regardless of who the players are. So again, that's why it's frustrating, but I, I can't necessarily say I'm surprised. Can you? I mean, no. No, no. I mean, one of the things that summed up for tonight, John, um, you know, we, we look, we don't make a change until the 77th minute. Game's gone. Pepe comes on for holding. In the mm. 80th minute, Willock comes on for Torreira. I, I, I genuinely don't know what's going through Unai's mind at the moment. And, you know, he's got, like, he's, he, he must be feeling the pressure. You know, there's nobody here thinking that anything good is coming from this at the moment. No. But uh, can you explain why? You know, I mean, I know I put in the group, I think it's after 60 minutes. We need fresh legs. Yeah. It, it was kind of, you know, it's a, it's it's obvious to an awful like me that we need fresh legs. And nothing happens. So, you know, I mean, what's your what's your perspective on that, mate? The, uh, 
I mean, the issue is, is you know, you're two 0 down. You're against a team that, at this point, they're they're absolutely flying, full of confidence. They're passing around it for fun. I understand bringing Pepe on. It makes sense. You need to try and get back into the game. The system clearly isn't working. The issue is that you bring Pepe on. I understand the Callum Chambers substitution. Fine. You could have taken any one of the centre-backs out. I don't think any of them played particularly bad today. Everyone sort of gave the ball away a little bit, but the conditions weren't great. Leicester were doing it as well. You've still got two men in midfield and Meza Ozil ahead of them. And look, I think Ozil's been pretty good since he's come back in. And I always slate him and whatever. But we know the one thing he's not going to do is necessarily work particularly hard and track back and cover men. And especially when you're against a team like Leicester, which is full of energy, full of running, really good movement. They can pass the ball slickly. It's not going to work. Now, maybe Torreira isn't having his greatest game ever. That might be more down to the system than it is actually him himself. If he's playing in a free, I think you see a different Torreira and maybe he's the the base of, of a three-man midfield and is two slightly ahead of him, whatever way you want to play it. So if you're going to make that change, I think you need to take Ozil off as well and bring in Willock there and try and go free in the middle. And cause you, you've just got nothing at this point. And I think, like you said, it is all too little too late. Pepe did some nice things when he came on, but it, it wasn't amazing. And, and by this point, it's just, it, the game's gone. And I think Leicester knew they had control of the game. It's 2-0. They could keep it for as long as they wanted. They were quite happy to invite some pressure on and then break when they could. And I think Emery at this point, he just ran out of ideas and just didn't know what to do. He, he just went, this, these are the natural subs. Torreira looks tired. Let's get Willock on. He's been good for me in some games. Absolutely. It, 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 was, it was more going through the motions than anything, wasn't it? You know, I'd best make some substitutions now. Um, Jim Helson smashes in the donation. And um, he says, talk of Raul contacting Luis Enrique. Thoughts? We'll talk about that after after we've completed the game. We're about to complete the game now. We've got the question section. Um, guys, all the donations we're getting at the, um, for November are going to Movember in memory of Steve, the Lord Hillwood, and um, John Mel, Ellis's dad. Um, Ellis did Movember last year. Um <laughs> Bastard love child of Saddam Hussein and Freddie Mercury, as he is. Um, so alongside him this year, Danny's doing it. Danny looks like he should be on a register. Um, Josh is doing it. Josh looks a bit like Harry Ginger Harry Potter, looking good. And um, uh, Shredder, I mean, Shredder looks like he should be in a, a noir movie, doesn't he? Um, he's just looking good. So fair play to him. Shredder looks like he needs to be followed around with people playing saxophones uh, <laughs> and a lady in a red dress, perhaps that doesn't stay on very long at the moment. So yeah, it's a good look. <laughs> Trench coats everywhere. Yeah, he's definitely he's definitely the one pulling it off the best so far. Yeah, oh yeah, he is. And he's got that he's got that smouldering look thing going as well, isn't he? Fair play to him. Um, <laughs> sorry. So the one thing we panned across, then the camera panned across, Drew. And you saw in the 84th minute, Raul and Edu not looking happy in the in the stand there. No, I, I mean, I don't think they should be happy. Um, coming from Barca, Raul will be expecting of a certain standard, and obviously we're not at the place where Barca are or used to be, potentially. But I think he wouldn't have come here if we didn't have the potential to get there. And the fact that we're 
so far off from getting anywhere near close to that. I think it's frustrating and particularly knowing that's a, that's a football chief and, you know, and the director wants to be saddled with the potential of having to sack a manager mid season. It's not an easy task. And our squad talked about it um, yesterday where people were forgetting that when, if, if we were to sack Unai tonight or tomorrow, for example, we're not just sacking Unai. We, he brought his assistant with him. He brought a goalkeeping coach with him. So that leaves three key senior coaching positions available. How do you replace that? And if you go with Freddie as caretaker, do you then disrupt the youth team to bring up youth coaches that he's used to working with to supplement him while we look for the right man? You know, it's, I think it's a tougher decision than people are giving credit for, but it's clear that leadership, at least by the look of it on camera, isn't really happy. And I think that they're concerned. You know, I don't, just real fast, I don't think anyone really, it's tough to say this, but I don't think anyone really expects us to go and, and beat Leicester today. But again, there's, 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 there's losing while putting in a good performance overall, and then there's losing and being abject. I don't think we were abject, but I don't think we lost gracefully either. I think for the majority of the match, I think Leicester were better than we were. I think we only had small phases of the match, maybe 15 to 20 minutes worth total, where you could say that we really were getting something out of the match. And I think that's the issue for a club of this size to go and constantly seeing performances like this. And, and the stat just came up that we've only had two shots on target in our last two matches. That's horrific of a club of our stature. You know, but, but, but like that, it's, it's frustrating. But this is the thing, uh, Joe, okay? If it's taken them to know to get mm-hmm. annoyed, I'm wondering what the hell are they watching? Because they're not watching what we've been watching for the last 12 months. Okay? Because it was crap. And trust me, the football was crap when we were on the 22-game unbeaten run. Now, I can accept people giving him, oh, we've got to give him time. That's fair enough. But when you're making basic mistakes, and Raul is just as accountable here, make no fucking bones about this. You know, when we're making basic mistakes with the squad and the, and, and the tactical football, the tactical setup that the manager wants to play, they're all a shower of shit. And, yeah. and, and for all of us to blame just Unai on this... I think is wrong. Okay. No, I says the thing. I don't blame just Unai. And I think we were talking about yeah. this on WhatsApp, yeah. weren't we? I think that I, I, I knowing how Josh and, and Stan and KSE are, because obviously I'm American, I see how they run their other franchises. I don't think they want the potential level of instability that it, that could be brought on by doing a midseason sack. But because again, it's not an easy task to, to take on. I think if they're going to sack him, they're going to want someone a little bit more permanent than just a caretaker for the rest of the season. Because if you're going to, you want to have some sort of semblance of, you know, getting a new man in as early as possible to really instill what he wants to do rather than having a caretaker and then bringing in another new manager who might be trying to build something different than what Freddie would potentially do as that caretaker. So I think there's other things you have to consider. I think that's kind of where it is. And I, I, I do think that maybe leadership wanted to wait until or wants to wait until it becomes so crystal clear that he has to go before they pull that trigger. I think to us, it's a little bit more clear because we're passionate fans and, you know, it's been frustrating and we've seen the signs that, that have been lying un, uh, under the cracks that have been papered. I get it. Um, but I think that's kind of what they want to do. But that said, there's no better time than to do it now if you were going to do it midseason because we have the international break coming up. Now you can get a new man in. He gets two weeks to really try to, to instill some semblance of what his identity wants to be. And then you go with it from there. So I can see both sides of it. But for me, I would take that gamble and I would take that risk. Because I think if you don't take it now, if you wait and it gets worse in the next month or two, then you're in an even bigger pickle. 
So yeah, I think well, do it now and it makes sense. I, I totally agree. But um, Ryan Cross flashes in the donation. He says, if we miss Champions League, who do you see leaving? I have Alba, Laka, Pepe, Torreira, probably Leno. Who else? We'll come to that in the question section, Ryan. Thank you ever so much for your donation, mate. Much appreciated. Um, that was the game, John. Um, it's a game where I found myself just sitting there emotionless. Um, I didn't enjoy the game. I didn't enjoy... Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, stop, stop. Sorry. Thunder Road. Thunder Road has just put in my chat box KSI or Logan Paul. I think Logan wins, but KSI's a goner. Stop. I think, mean, I think he means gooner. KSI is a gooner. Uh, a gooner, right. Stop. Jace, he's trying to find something to cheer himself up with. I will not. Football. I will not a fuckwit <laughs> being spoken about in my chat box, okay? Thunder Road, me and you get on. Don't push it. Do not push it, bro. Oh, that, that's got my blood boiling. I'm sorry. But I, I don't know, mate. You know, I mean, I just watched that. It's... Unfortunately, the joy has been sucked out of watching the Arsenal for me. It's not exciting. It's drab. It's boring. It's not pragmatic in every way. Um, just go some, through some stats. So we had 49% possession. We had eight shots, one shot on target. As Drew said, we've had two shots on target in the last two games. Um, we didn't get to register a shot at all after the 53rd minute today. Um, you looked at the passing stats from midweek, okay? It, it, it was as if we're trying to avoid being positive. Um, you look at the league table, okay? We've played 12 games. We've won four. We've drawn five. We've lost three. We have a goal difference of minus one. How on earth, you know, we, we, when we've been looking at this now for... Let's be honest, once Rambo got injured against Watford last season, that was it for us. We were fucked. Okay? And all hope went. Right now? How on earth do the club not... have not, Why haven't they taken action before now? Because I just I cannot see... And Drew's really given a good, a, a good description of how he sees it there. And I get what he's saying. But if we have any ambition whatsoever, how do the club justify the position that they're in at the moment? Um, I think the thing is that they can't. They they can almost look at last season and go, look, it's his first year at the club. It's a new league. He's learnt a new language. He's come into a team that is clearly still in the middle of a transition. Um, you've just taken over from a legacy manager. The first season is almost a free roll as such. And he got us to a Europa League final. Look, it's not the Champions League final, I know, but it's the competition we were in and he got us all the way there. Um, we did have that unbeaten run streak. I know the football wasn't great and, you know, the stats are slightly deceiving. There was a lot of those games we probably should have lost or drawn or whatever. But those things did happen in that season. So you go, OK, we've had his first year. We're now going to... It's not necessarily about backing the coach. They're backing the club in the terms of their investment and the players they brought in. We're going to give him these new players now and, right, we'll, we'll see what he can do. And I do think what Drew said is right, that changing a manager mid-season is really difficult. Um, there's no point... Look, there's no point the club sacking Emery and saying, right, we've just signed Luis Enrique if they haven't actually 
talked to Enrique, discussed things with him, seen what his vision is for the club, what he thinks of the players and everything else. Because you could end up six months from now going, well, Enrique was a complete mistake and you've now got to pay him out money as well. I do think there is the argument that, yeah, you can move on for the manager and say, right, Freddie is going to come in as, you know, caretaker manager, whatever, till the end of the season. And at the end of the season, we will review, we'll be discussing, you know, having conversations with other people uh, and we will make a decision, final decision then on, you know, maybe Freddie's done well enough that he warrants to stay on in the job and is, you know, officially given a title or they have someone else in. But none of those things are easy to do. That they do have to really consider now, and I'm I'm sure like that they're not the club aren't going to come out and say we think Uno's doing terrible. If he loses against Leicester, we're going to sack him. They, they're never going to say that. They're always going to say you back the manager. But I guarantee these conversations are happening. You know, I'm sure that look that they said they vehemently denied the Mourinho thing. I guarantee Raul probably did have dinner with Mourinho. Maybe he did have the conversation with him. Raul might have said to him, look, if you know, if it was all final say on me, then yeah, you come in and get the job, but KSE aren't interested because maybe you're bad for their brand or whatever. But I'm sure they're talking to Enrique and Allegri and everyone else and these conversations are happening. But it's not a simple thing to do. No, it has now, the, 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 the issue is that it's getting to the point now where it's not like we're stagnant kind of will float around fifth, sixth, maybe we'll luck our way into the top four if Leicester or Chelsea have some bad results. It's now getting to the point where we're trending downwards and it doesn't look like we're ever going to... We're not at the flat line. You know, we haven't hit bottom yet. That That's the big issue for me. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure someone's probably asked the question about pulling the trigger on Emery. Everyone knows yeah. my opinion on it. I, I do hope it happens. Um uh, yeah, it's up to the club now. It's down the, to the one thing that gets me, okay, you, you see Bayern doing it. Yes, I, I you know, you, 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 the thing is you can't compare us with Bayern Munich. That's a club, that an institution that's been run yes, so differently. I'm not trying to compare us with Bayern Munich. What I'm trying to say is, okay, you know, yes, they've been run differently, okay, but apparently when Raul is coming in, we are putting in processes in place so, you know, we don't have to rely on one manager, one coach, whatever, whichever you want to call it. But they see a problem. Yes, they know it's going to be difficult replacing Kovac, but they know what the right thing to do is, and that's what we have to do. You know, ambition does not recognise hurdles. You just have to overcome them. You just yeah, have to, that's you know, true. But I think they have much better systems in place, and well, we, we, we look. We're not inside either club, are we? So we don't, no. we're, not, we're not. Well, I, I think you look at the way Bayern has been run for the last 40, 50 years. They're they're a much better run club than we are. Uh, they just suck up all of Germany's talent because they're the biggest club there, aren't they? You know, but that's also good. why it's a lot easier for them to go out and get a manager they want because they're a very attractive prospect for anyone, not just from Germany, but from all over the world. Arsenal currently, yeah, some managers will jump at the job. People have spoke about Brendan Rodgers as a possible Arsenal manager. If I'm Brendan Rodgers, I'm not leaving Leicester. That, okay. that Leicester squad's way more exciting. Wait, wait, you know? wait on that then. Let's go, let's, we'll, go, we'll go into the questions now so we can we can use that as examples. Mm. The McManus smashes in the donation and he says, evening, gents, yet another poor performance. Unfortunately, pal, you are bang on the money. Yeah, it was awful. Right, people, I got 149 likes. You're 31 short. Do you want me to call you Una Emery? Or do you want to be like a Brendan Rodgers? Come on, people. Tappy, tappy. Let's get going. By the way, five-star reviews on, what's it called? 
18s. Where are they? Where are they? Come on, get on with it. Bloody wrong, isn't it? Right, Drew, to you for the first question. Um, Matthew Wright asks, was Ozil playing as a false nine? I mean, yeah, it clearly seems that way. I mean, more often than not, it, it was Aubameyang was drifting out, out, out wide right, Locker would drift. Um, they would interchange, of course. Any decent front three has to have some sense of interchangeability moving forward. But I think what wanted to happen is that Ozil was going to drop deeper and then kind of link play with Torre and Ganduzi and then maybe progress play. You have the overlapping runs by the wingbacks and then, you know, Oban Lock would then tuck in in the middle. You'd have the overlap as well from the work, and then he'd have options. That's kind of what you it looked like what we wanted to happen, but it didn't really happen all that effectively. And again, you maybe want a bit more from Ozil when he's both on and off the ball. I thought he was very good in the first half, but I thought he was poor in the second half, which kind of almost describes all of our play. I thought our first half was better than our second half. I think that that kind of shows that. But indeed, he's a, a, a different prospect to deal with, and especially when everything is so disconnected in midfield, it's hard for things to, to operate the way you wanted to. So I do think that that was his role. I don't think he's necessarily best suited to that role. I don't think you can turn Mesut Ozil into how um, certain coaches want to turn Mario Götze into a false nine and end up being an absolute disaster. I don't think he can really do that. It doesn't work for a reason. So, um, yeah, no, there's got to be another solution. For me, I thought that was his role, but I don't think it was good enough today. Jace, you're muted. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, lads. That's all right. <laughs> um, I, I, I genuinely don't think that Unai put Ozil, Torreira, or Guendouzi in a position to succeed today. I think, you know... Agreed, yeah. The, the, the gaps between them, you know, what he's asking them to do, how he's asking them to set up, it's just too much. And yes, I, I don't mind having a pop at Guendouzi. I don't mind having a pop at Mezet. I don't mind having a pop at Torreira. I thought the three of them were fucking garbage today. Absolute garbage. The three of them. But I don't think they've been allowed to flourish. And, that, and that's a big problem. John, Petito 100, um, when he donated, said, um, questions need to be asked to the board. At the end of the Europa League final, we knew we needed an attacking midfielder and top quality centre-backs. Nobody got beyond the ball today, did they? Um, no, I mean, it was a Bamiyang, basically, and that was really it. Uh which is fine. That's what you expect of your striker. Um, you know, Lacazette is more of a hold-up player than he is a runner beyond it. Mesut made some good runs beyond the ball, but the issue is if it's Mesut running beyond the ball, Guendouzi and Torreira aren't necessarily the best midfielders equipped to find him with a pass. Um, and you look at the the way we set up, it relies a heavily on the wing-backs to provide you width and get to the byline and get behind the defence, and we didn't do that enough today. <sighs> The, the attacking midfielder thing, I think to a certain extent we addressed that with signing Pepe because he was, a, I know he's not an attacking mid or whatever, but he's a winger and he's someone who can get beyond the ball and he's got that pace and we've seen him do that a couple of times already this season. Um, Sobias looked like a sensible purchase, but perhaps he flattered a little bit too much in that Burnley game and now, you know, people were reassessing his quality. In terms of centre-backs, that's been an ongoing issue and I think the club decided to keep faith with Rob Holding and, and bringing back in Callum Chambers. I thought it would be enough. Uh, whether it is or not, I don't know. I, the, the one thing I would argue is even if you've got the best centre-back in the world, it doesn't matter how good a centre-half you are, 
it makes no difference if the midfield in front of you aren't giving you protection properly and allowing the other team to have so many chances to run at your goal that you're going to concede. Um, so it's, it's both a, it, it is an issue in terms of recruitment, but it is also an issue in terms of what's done with the players on the pitch. It's both. Yeah, the, the midfield's a major issue for us at the moment. And unfortunately, I mean, you know, you, it was putrid there today. Putrid. And, but on the, on the bright side, Socrates had his best game ever for the Arsenal. Hey, and also, guess what? No one can blame Xhaka today. I, I, this, this is the bit that, that really makes me laugh at the moment. <laughs> it's the bit that really makes me laugh, okay? The fucking witch hunt that's, that that boy's had to go through. And you, everybody's been calling out for Torreira and Gwendozi. You put them there together and they were shit. Gwendozi and Torreira were fucking rubbish today. They were fucking awful. Gwendozi hid. He absolutely hid. Okay? He no cohesion with those that pair whatsoever. And now, are they having a go at him? No, they're not. They're going to fucking ignore it because the fucking witch hunt was an absolute disgrace. And if I was Jack, I'd tell us to fuck off as well. Yeah. I really would. I really would. And that's my two pennies worth. And if anybody's got a problem with it, I couldn't give a fuck. I really couldn't. <laughs> fuck my life. I'm not, I, I, I've seen so much shit go behind the players. You know, and, and you know, Gwen Doozy, just because I'm having a go at him, he's, he's, he's not a bad player. He's still a great young prospect, but way overhyped, way too young. Torreira, not playing the right position. He's always going to fail. They're mm. not bad players. They don't deserve to be, you know, to, to, be, to have the witch hunt. But they were shit today. And, you know, everybody's going to ignore that. And Jack is still going to be the, the boo boy. And Mustafi's still going to be the boo boy. But guess what? You fucking overrated the wrong players. And we let the wrong player go to Italy. Fucking nonsense. Um, sorry, I've had my two pennies worth. There you go. Drew, um, Unique 79 asks, if a new manager comes in, he will need time to fix things. How long do we give him? And will Arsenal fans in general be patient with whoever... Comes in to replace Unai Emery. It's really hard to put a timeline on on how quickly a manager writes the ship. You can, there's multiple ways you can look at it. You know, Liverpool are where they are now because in the long term, Klopp fixed things. But in his first year, they didn't do particularly well in the league. But then you look at Lampard at Chelsea, and he has them firing on all cylinders within months of his appointment. So. Everything's very, very different. Some managers need players to fit their system. Some managers can work with what they've got. You know, even Saints, despite some of the results didn't really change, but there was an uptick in their overall performance levels under Hassan Udl when he first came in. So it really all depends. And that kind of starts with making sure you pick the right manager moving forward. If it's the wrong manager, no amount of time is going to work. If it's the right manager, it depends on how that manager's vision coincides with what the club want to do with the players that he has involved. So it's, it's about a balance with, with that sort of line of thinking. And you, it gets not, you know, black and white. It's all, it's all inside the gray area. So. No, it, it, it's really difficult, isn't it? It's really difficult. Younger crystal ball. And we just give an opinion and we'd be right. and we'd be wrong. Um, what happens to the pitch is a totally different thing. Skin 1964 says, can we play you every week? Southampton are busy. Oh, 
She is for that, pal. <laughs> Fucking she is. Kick us when we're down. While you're in there, you better give us a like. Congratulations on today. You were the better team. Deserved it. I'm not fucking happy though. I'm really not happy. Um, right. So next question. God, uh, so I've just re been reminded by something in the chat before we go right. to the next question. So at the start of the season, Mister Pessimism over here, I was like, Lacazette, Aubameyang, and Pepe between them. I reckon they're going to get 70, 75 goals this season. <laughs> I know. Hey, to be fair, mate, okay, it could change. Okay? I'm on course. I think, I'm sure I said for 50. Yeah, you did. I'm sure yeah. for 50, you know? Tell you what, I'm always fucking right. That's the great thing about being me. I'm always right. You know? I love it. Sorry. I'm going to load of grief for that now. But guess what? You can go back and listen. It's all on tape. It's on tapes on the cloud, isn't it? Um, sorry, I'm, I'm just being full of shit at the moment. Um, John Petito Five One Hundred asks. Um, but no, 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 no. Sorry, um, oh Logie no, we've done that one. Sorry, yeah. Loki seventy three asks, why do we persist in playing headers and volleys in our own <laughs> box, even when we're two 0 down with three minutes left? For fuck's sake! Yes. <laughs> um. I guess that's just a case of you can't fault the players' attitude and that they stuck to the game plan, as Unai said. Right, okay, so George Constantino... Ah, balls. George Constantinous asks, not whether Emery should be sacked, the question is, is there anyone better to replace him? I'm going to answer this. Yeah, there is. Um, it's it's not a case of being a better manager, a better coach, or anything like that. Okay, you know, Emery will go somewhere in his next in his career, which may be the perfect fit for him. Mm -hmm. Certain people fit clubs better than others. I think the problem is Unai never kind of embraced this role. He didn't turn it around and, and embrace it fully. I think there's a hangover with him from the PSG days and he's kind of standoffish and he's not throwing himself into it and saying, right, you know what? Let's play rock out with your cock out football. Let's have a go. We've got players who like to get forward. We've got players who like to attack. He doesn't really do that. And I think that's the problem. And God love Unai Emery, you know, he doesn't deserve a witch hunt. It's, he's just failing badly. He's just failing badly and it's sad to see. Drew, Arsenio Wonga asks, um, I wanted to ask you, who do you think will get us back into the Champions League and improve us in the league? I mean, how am I supposed to answer that? It's it's difficult. Again, give like, me two names. Just oh, two Christ. names. Christ. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't give me Christ, okay? This is Just a fella, okay? You're back, on, you're back in the big show, then, okay? <laughs> you're back in the big show, right? Huh? You're, with, you're with Mr. John Welsh, okay? Give His beard's better names. than mine, so clearly that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> give me two <laughs> names <laughs> you think, you know what? They could be the right fit for us. I mean, it, you kind of almost have to suggest that maybe there's some credence to bring in Luis Enrique and just because he understands what it's like to manage at a big club and get the best out of a very talented front three that seemingly can't work together. You know, Suarez, Neymar, and, and, and Messi are all big personalities. They all want to be 
you know, the main one to lead an attack, but he got them all fit and firing together. And oftentimes Suarez was not even used as a number nine. So you can maybe see the similarities with what we have with the Lacoba and Pepe. So maybe you could say that. Um, I mean, the second option depends. If you're looking at managers who we don't have to peg from another club, it's kind of some pickings right now. I, I don't think Mourinho is the one. I think Allegri just doesn't suit what we have. Not that he's a poor manager, but again, like Unai, I don't think he's the right fit for the club. I think that's kind of the problem. Um, I think Rafa might be able to right the ship. I don't think he's going to have to get us into Champions League. So I think if you're looking at who is actually available, I think you can maybe say Luis Enrique is only, the only one, really. I think Mourinho is too um, heavy-handed with his approach, although he has a lot to prove, so maybe he's a little bit more motivated. But I mean, on current on, on, on current information and format, I would only go with maybe only Luis Enrique. So we'll see. That's, 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 that's interesting. I, I, I like, I, I, I've got a lot of time for Enrique. I mean, I think his, his achievements at Barcelona were undervalued a bit. But we, let's wait and see. Um, Dr. Gray, I love you too. Thank you. Um, chat box, I got 164 likes. You're 16 short. Don't take the piss. Don't be like Unai. Be like Brendan Rogers. Be like David Brent. Take those three points home. Tappy tappy, let's get going. Um, oh, balls, who's put another one in there? Are you just annoyed me now? <laughs> <laughs> so, so somebody puts another question in the chat box, in our chat box, and of course, I lose my place. So, you know, thank you, boys. Um, okay, John, 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 Matthew Wright asks, Where's the pra- this pragmatic manager? We were meant to be, um, we were meant to be getting. Sorry, where <laughs> is it? Uh, I really don't know because it's something we cried out for for a long time under Arson. Just sometimes you have to respect the opposition and say, no, we can't just always play the same way. You've got to adjust for the opposition. And I thought we would get that with Unai because he's a little bit, you know, he's, whenever I see him at other clubs, he tends to be a, a cautious man first. The, the problem is that he's pragmatic in the wrong way that it, it's not like he goes out and he goes, right, we're going to build a solid defence and get ourselves 30 minutes into the game. Then when we're comfortable and we can see that we're closing them down and they're not really creating, they can have the ball, but they're not doing anything with it, then we'll build and develop into the game. He kind of goes into games to, oh, let's not lose. Or, you know, um, a team pegs a goal back against us to make it level. Uh, and instead of going, right, I need to bring some forwards on or change this up a little bit, he goes, oh, OK, well, we'll play for the draw and make sure we don't lose the game now. That's a step of pragmatism too far. I was quite prepared for boring football. I would have taken yeah. it. I really didn't care. Um, you know, I grew up watching George Graham teams and look, they weren't great to watch, but we won games. And I was happy because my team was getting three points and you'd occasionally you'd get a cool, you know, really exciting Ian Wright wonder goal or something. Um, but the rest of the games weren't particularly thrilling to watch. Um, so I was quite happy to take that under Unai, but it just doesn't seem to be there. There's no organisation, nothing. So I don't know. I, I, I think his mentality is, I don't think he's got the right mentality for what he at least perceives as a big club. I think you saw that evident at PSG. I think you've seen it at Arsenal. I don't think he can necessarily deal with big personalities. Um, and then I think you look at how he did at Sevilla, Valencia, teams that are, you know, they're well-known, they're big and everything, but they're not of the same level. 
uh, and the players and the people are having their squad on aren't necessarily the same big personality. So he can cope with that and almost that kind of underdog mentality. I think there's a bit of an inferiority complex, there, isn't there? I think, you know, when you, if, you, if you scratch Maybe. Your I mean, also, I mean, there is also, the, like you said earlier, sometimes a manager comes in, doesn't fit a club. It can happen with a player. Yeah. You can be the best player in the world. You go to another club, it don't work. Shevchenko was one of the best strikers in Europe, went to Chelsea and, you know, was yeah. horrible. Torres, Liverpool's but, Chelsea. He's in the same league and it doesn't work out. But the reason I say that is because the issues around um, Ozil, Ramsey, um, yeah. you know, Pepe, do you know what I mean? That's why I think there's an inferiority complex there. Yeah. I may be totally wrong. And if I am... Oh, you know, he handled the way he handled the club captaincy thing was horrible. Yeah. The Ozil thing is a mess. I don't think it's all his fault. I think that's left over from the previous regime that hasn't helped him, that he's, he's walked into that. Um, and he's walked into, a, let's be honest, an unbalanced squad as well. Um, yeah. I think so. None of those things are easy. But that doesn't absolve him of blame. They're not his fault, but they're still his responsibility. No, no, but look, not being funny, you come in, you take on those responsibilities, yeah. and that's the way it is, you know, and there's nothing you can do with that. Um, Arian Hadari asks, Drew, Monsieur Welsh and Thompson, just going to ask you this, Drew, um, uh, thoughts on Pepe? It's, I like, I would say 90 to 95% of the fan base was happy with the business. I think the issue, though, you know, past his, his, um, his, you know, his potential as a player, I think that he's the type of player who he, for me, I think he really only fits a certain way of playing. I think we look at the type of football Lille played, it was far more direct. It was far more incisive. Pace was really one of the key ingredients that you needed. I don't know if he fits what Emery wants to do. That does not mean that he won't be successful at Arsenal if he stays more than one season, depending on who the next manager is in, assuming that Emery doesn't last more than this season. But I think Currently, I don't think he necessarily is the kind of player that you and I can get the best out of. If you, I mean, even even bigger players than him at PSG struggled under Unai Emery, you know, it, despite getting results. So, I think that's for me kind of the meat and drink of it. I think he's a very good player. I think he's like most of our players are being undersold currently under what we have to work with right now. So, I think the jury is still out. You know, we kind of have to take it one day at a time and wait and see. Okay, John. You mentioned a few weeks ago a stat about Unai Emery and wingers. Was it 10 total goals in his managerial career that scored? I, I can't remember the exact number, but he essentially at all his clubs, he's never really used wingers. And when he's got them, he's either used them in different positions, used formations that didn't necessarily give them best opportunities, and they did not score a lot of goals, no. Okay. Um, That's just I not the way he likes to play football. Yeah, and this is the thing, you know, we, we, we all are calling out for wingers and this, that over the summer, but that's not in his plan. And and, and that's an issue. And that's where I have a problem with Raul, etc. If you're spending 72 million quid on a player in a position that the manager's not, that the coach or the manager's not going to use, well, no offence, mate, you're as, fu you're as fucking guilty as the coach. It's as simple as that. Um, John, your Don one asks, and Drew's just answered a very similar question, but I want your opinion on this now. I want one name from you. If Emery gets sacked tonight, who would you bring in to replace him? I know Drew has European knowledge, but so do you, pal. So Drew's answered it. Your thoughts, please. Um, I would give it to Freddie for now, but I would give it to him with a caveat um, that we're going to go and get Arteta. Ooh. 
I think I think if Guardiola leaves City, Arteta is going to be offered the job, and if he's good enough for City, he's more than good enough for us. You just splashed your monkey custard all over the screen with that, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big shout, fella. That's a yeah. big, big shout. I think oh, sometimes you've got to be brave and give it to someone. The players know him, they respect him. He doesn't care if people don't like him. He'll be quite happy to walk in a change room and slap someone in the bollocks if they need it. Um, yeah. I, uh, do you know what? I look, let's be honest. I don't mind it's, wrong. it's a risk. It, it, I think it doesn't matter who you get. It's always going to be a risk. There's a certain level of manager you get where you know you're not going to drop down in the league beyond a, uh, below a certain point. But yeah, yeah. I, I'd do it. Okay, that's cool. Um, John Bernstein asked, I'm going to answer this one. Do we have players who are good enough for a different coach to get us to top four? I think we do. They're not good enough to challenge Liverpool. Um, yeah, I do think we have good players. I think we're a bit disjointed at the moment. I think the midfield's a big issue. And, you know, Danny Ceballos is a very, very talented player. Okay. Um, Jacques, Grand Jacques is a very talented player. Guendouzi's a very talented player. Willock, talented. Um, Torreira, talented. There's a lot of talent in there. Okay. But what, you, what we've got at the moment are disjointed skill sets. So, for arguments, if you're looking at Joe Willock, he lacks experience, okay? If you're looking at Torreira, he lacks um, athletic ability, okay, and height. Um, Guendouzi, he's a bit of a jogger, not really sharp on, you know, on, 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 on distributing the ball. He's always a few too many touches. Um, you've got Xhaka, who has mobility issues and is a bit creaky under pressure. And then you've Ceballos, lovely skill set, but not direct enough. The one thing all these guys have, are missing is the ability to get forward and get beyond the ball. Um, I, th- I think Willock looks lovely driving the ball forward, but it's getting that balance of wherever you're going to play in the midfield correct. And I think, you know, we've got fan favourites who, who social media and the fans are calling for who are just not gelling together. You saw that tonight. I don't see how you get Torreira and Guendouzi to gel together because their skill sets just don't match up well. They really don't. That's the problem for us at the moment, is getting the right players with the right skill sets together. We can get top four, no problem, but not under Unai at the moment. Um, Drew, Matthew Wright asks, with Ozil back in the team, we're creating even less. How is that possible? I was waiting for that question. Just absolutely. And I know John sat there, kind of wants to sit back and have me try to wiggle my way out of it. (laughs) Again, you look at any problem this team has currently, and you really, it it takes a lot to dig out one or two players and say they're the problem. For me, I think it's clear that our issues run systemically and they're far deeper than the players you use because we create even less when Ceballos is in the same role as Mesut Ozil. Um, and when Joe Willick gets those starts, still creating less. So I think a lot to do with the, a lot of that has to do with the teams that we're playing. You know, they're all no one in the Premier League is bad. At the very least, teams in the Premier League know to sit back and defend and make things difficult for you. Whether they can score goals or not is one thing or another. But a lot of managers at smaller clubs will have that mentality, especially against us. And a lot of them have learned to press better. Even the lower teams now press more effectively as well. So you're getting even less time on the ball. And when we're so disjointed in midfield, 
And again, all our issues are, are, are of systemic in nature. It exacerbates itself. So for me, I don't think it matters if Ozil plays or not. And I'd prefer getting the best version out of him, but we're not getting the best version out of anybody. And that tells you something. It's not just one player. It's not just two. It's not just three. So I, again, I don't think it really matters at this point. And, and, and it's unfortunate that we have so many good players individually. Like someone just put in the chat just now that, you know, his controversial opinion was that individually we're just as good as Liverpool. I don't necessarily agree with that, but individually I do think we're good enough to easily, we should easily be third, fourth at the absolute worst. And we should be putting some distance between us and the in the places below the Champions League spots. And we're not. So that kind of tells you what you need to know about what our actual issues are. And it's not an individual player. It's not a couple of individual, individual players. It's, it's, it's more than that. Okay. Okay. Then I, 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 I don't think there's any arguing with that. I think it's a very valid point. I think John wants to argue, but I don't think he's going to. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. We're, we're, we're coming to the end of this now. We've been going for long enough. I'm still hmm. 10 short of my likes. You fucking Unai Emery's. Honestly, a lot of you. Um, John, um, Jim House and us talk of Raul contacting Luis Enrique. Um, Chica Marines reporting it. What are your thoughts? Um, I think it's understandable that he would go and speak to him. It's a guy who obviously knows. I don't know how good Enrique's English is or if he speaks English at all. Um, that would be one concern of mine. Also, obviously, he stepped out of football after the tragedy he had with his family. Um, is he ready to come back into football yet? I don't know. There was talks of him maybe being offered the Chelsea job, I think, in the summer, but apparently wanting a lot of money, whether I believe that or not, uh, you know, but that's for other people to decide. Um, I'd certainly take him, but he's proven manager, very successful. I know people will say, well, it's Barcelona, it's easy to manage there. Um, well, it's not. It really isn't an easy club to manage at all. Um, you look at them this season, they're top of the league, but they've got all these wonderful players. But apparently I've just seen that Lionel Messi has passed the ball into the back of the net more times than he has to Griezmann at the moment, or probably the entire season, because they apparently don't like each other so you know imagine trying to deal with a dressing room with those kind of egos and that expectation level that someone like Barcelona has um so he ticks all the boxes for me it's just whether he's ready to come back into football and if um his English is is good enough because clearly I think it's been pretty obvious since Emery's come into the club understanding and explaining his ideas and getting them across properly to the players uh, has been an issue uh, maybe those are the that's down to the ideas though. You know? Yeah, no, possibly, but I yeah. do think there is a there there is a genuine thing of you explain something in one language and the English version yeah. of it or whatever language you're doing yeah. doesn't translate the same. No, that's that's fair comment, pal. Fair comment. Um, okay, uh, John Bernstein asks, I'm going to take this one. Would you take Jill Ellis, the US Women's National Team coach, to replace Emery? That's a massive shout, isn't it? Um, I think you're getting into a real area there where Jill Ellis is obviously a very, very successful coach. A, it's international football, okay? And the US, you know, that is geared to having a very strong national team. You look at the success over the last number of years. Club football is very different. Um... The fact she's a woman, um, it shouldn't make a difference, but I think it would. I think there are a lot of good coaches out there. 
I think at the moment, if you look, there are issues around colour, the colour of um, uh, Premier League coaches, how many black Premier League coaches are there, how many top table black coaches there are, how many African, how many um, Asian co top coaches there are. Do you know what I mean? There's all sorts of issues, okay? And then you're bringing um, you know, the, the sex of somebody as well. Look, if they've got the skill set and they've got the experience, I've got no problem with anybody getting it. You could have bloody Jiffo the Martian. I couldn't give a damn, okay? But you need to know club football, and that's a big thing. You need to have a bit of experience to draw on, whether it be as a player, whether it be as a coach. You see in other sports, um, NFL, McVeigh, he wasn't a player. They've got really good coaching setups to bring people through in that, you know, to be honest, I don't see us ever appointing Janellis as the Arsenal coach. I don't. But that shouldn't mean she couldn't do it. Okay? There's a lot to go into that, and it's a bit of a political uh, minefield. And, you know, let's be honest, there's all sorts of issues around the colour and sex of, of managers at the moment. And, you know, you, you look at referees and... Who's the female like touch judge referee? Um, oh God, Sean Massey. Sean Massey. Sean Massey. Yeah, yeah. You look at the shit Sean Massey had. Yeah. Um, a manager will have a hell of a lot more. So okay. Here's one for you. Would you take Joe Montemoro as Arsenal manager? The ladies' coach. Yeah. No, no, no. I wouldn't actually. Hmm. I. And, and at this moment in time, okay. I'm I think not, if you do that, then people ask questions of why you're not giving it to Freddie. Yeah. I, to be honest, look, Montemura's got far more experience in managing the first team. Okay. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. I think what I'm looking for for the next coach of the, uh, of the Arsenal is a bit of experience, somebody who's succeeded and failed at a club, somebody who can draw on the depth of good experience, tangible skills that they've picked up to drive the team forward. Now, whether that be, um, you know, a newish manager or an experienced manager, I'm not sure, but they've got to play with a bit of ambition. That, that's my personal take on it, okay? Um, what they're going to go with is, who knows? Um, Drew, um, question for you. Um, Ryan Cost asked, if we miss Champions League, who do you see leaving? I have Alba, Laka, Pepe, Torreira, and probably Leno. That's half the team. I, I, I think it's clear that Lagazette's not happy. Um, I mean, you kind of see it in his demeanor over the last couple of weeks, maybe a month or so. I also think there's a reason why Obama Yang hasn't signed his new deal, and there's a reason why we made him captain. I don't think he was the best choice to be made captain, but I think he, it was done to try to influence him to get the new deal done. But I don't think anyone should be surprised if one or both of them leaves you know they're they're i know a lot of fans now are, are jumping on like that's back again but there's a reason why he had the season he had last season you know, he might not be a 25 or 30 goal scorer but he's a very good player and obama yang will score wherever he goes and the nature of it as is we got him from dortmund because it was either go to china or stay at dortmund where he wasn't happy so we got obama yang but when push comes to shove He's only 30. He still has five years left in his career, six years left. If he's not going to win anything with us, then why wouldn't he leave? He has no ties to us. You know, he didn't grow up as a fan necessarily. He, you know, it's 
he wasn't raised to the use system. He has no reason to, to persist here if he's not happy. So uh, I do think if we don't get Champions League, and that's where he wants to play. And with all due respect, he's good enough to be playing in, in your obscure competition. I think he would leave. And I don't, and I can't blame him if he does. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, Sean DTK LBC asks, is Joe Willock so Danielson? Is he the new Danielson? I'm kind of get it, but... Talk about Joe Willock. Um, I actually like Willock, and I think he's got a lot to offer. He, he seems to have a really good engine. He can get box to box. I think his ability to play multiple positions is good. Um, yeah. I think, honestly, I hope anyway that his career goes uh, the way of playing a number eight, and he's a box to box player. I think he's more of a number eight than he is a ten, as some people have seen him. Um, but no, I, I I think he's a better player than Danielson. I think he's got more about him. Uh, absolutely. And great. When he goes it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a long, you know, he's got a long way to go yet, though. This is when, his first proper yeah. season in the team. And when he drives forward that ball, he can be. A, he looks a thing yeah. big at times, doesn't he? Yeah. he really does. Um, actually, John, I'm gonna stick with you for this one. Don Corleone. Don Corleone. Oh, for frigging sake! Sorry, I'm as frustrating as the Arsenal. Don Corleone asks. Do you think Lacazette has been ineffective up front? If so, would Martinelli be a better partner for Alba? No, I don't think he's been ineffective up front. I think the fact that Aubameyang has got so many goals overshadows what Lacazette does in the team. I think, excuse me, he takes a lot of the attention away in terms of defence. And I think you see some of the link-up play and their understanding of each other and their movement together is good. I do think, as much as I like Lacazette and I love him, I think there is a tendency for his performances to drop off when we play away from home. I, I don't think he's as effective. And there is also the question of, if Aubameyang is scoring that many goals, do you just drop Lacazette and put Alba up front? I, I, I think he's a fair question to ask. And that's not a bad light on Lacazette. It just shows how good Aubameyang has been in terms of his goal scoring. But he's shown he can score from wide as well. So, you know. I, I think the big thing as well is when you look at Lacazette, he's very much more effective when he's got a runner coming from midfield. He yeah. likes playing off a runner getting ahead of the ball, <clears> isn't he? I think that, that's why when you see him with Aubameyang, he does like it because Aubameyang will make those diagonal runs which will open up a yeah. bit of space for him to move into or lay a ball off. Yeah, it, 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 it's a difficult one. Um, Drew, uh Arsenal 1886 to 2006 asks, um, just joined you. I'm not sure if this has been mentioned. Do you think Luis could play as a holding midfielder for us? And he has before, you know, so I don't see why not. He's got the ball playing ability to, to make a Xhaka type pass where he bypasses midfield and then just play someone into space. I don't, I think he's effective. That I think he's, he has the mobility to do it as well to play as a sixth. Um, you see that when he played um, with Chelsea's back three, that he would always step forward. He would always be a little bit more mobile than the other two, certainly more than Christensen and you know, arguably more than um, uh, Zuma as well. Is it Zuma? Yeah. So I think he could. And also it would give us a little bit more stoutness dealing with aerial challenges in midfield, something that we are poor with. Even Jack is not great in the air, but certainly Torreya and, and Genduzi and Willock aren't particularly great there either. So I think it would give us a little bit of a different dynamic in midfield than 
if Holding and, and, and Chambers find any amount of form, or if we keep Luis next season and Saliba comes in and settles, I think you could argue that you could go with something like David Luis at six and then play Holding and Saliba as a center back pairing if it all works out. So I think there are options, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, Chatbox, like 177 likes. You were given a target of 180. We've got five minutes left. Get on with it. Tappy, tappy, please. Um, the last question I'm going to answer. Um, oh, sorry, you only get two questions. John, you can have the next one, then I'll take the last one. Then um, Michael Hahnemann says they scored from the first. They scored the first goal today, and we still didn't get a result. The question is, who's going to have the worst mentality, us or Southampton? Uh, <laughs> well, speaking to our good friend Ross, um, the Saints fan, uh, he was pretty grim about today's result. I think the Saints players will have the worst mentality because they all hate Hassan and all wanting to go. And the club walked into the dressing room and said, all of you players are going before the manager is. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be the Southampton players. I'm not saying that means we're going to win, but I tell you what, if there was a time to get a manager in, this run of games we've got coming up now, it's a nice comfortable way to ease them in. <laughs> And <laughs> uh, not being funny, you, you need that, don't you? You need a little bit of luck now and again. Yeah. Um, to, like Daddy's mentioned, um, we've got a Russian friend who is called Gene in the box. Um, he's been typing in Russian, so Gene, apologies. He's from the Kamchatka region, um, the peninsula. I did watch the Simon Reeve on Russia thing, and it was really interesting. So I've forgotten where Kamchatka is, but. It's a peninsula, as he said in there. Very wild. Um, oh, you got you got snow tigers and stuff like that up there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Kam, Kamchatka is north of Japan. That's it. There we yep. go. Yeah, that's where they've got the gambling dens and stuff like that. So that's <laughs> it's close. Yeah, I, I know all about gambling dens. Um, so welcome, Gene. <laughs> welcome to ABW, fella. Um, and he says, you should not take a rugby to the Arsenal. The game with him is so dull and boring. I was enraged and trembling with Allegri and at Juventus. He does have a point. Um, yeah, he does. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, and to be fair, okay, no, no, let's be honest, we have, uh, George Graham's latter years weren't great, okay? I don't think they were as boring as as people made out at the beginning, but the last Jace, year, do you know do you know how bad our Premier League record is at the moment um, under Emery? The last oh, manager to have a record as bad as this in the Premier League? Oh, George Graham. <laughs> <laughs> His last season at Arsenal when we finished um, 12th. Yeah. Do you know what? That, that, it broke my heart when George you went... Um, and when you found out what he was doing, it was just, oh, it was just horrible. It was just horrible. Um, so that, that's it for today. Um, Gene from Kamchatka, welcome to ABW, fella. Uh, hope you've enjoyed. Um, again, 180 likes. You are Brendan Rogers's, not Unai Emery's. Well done, people. A massive thank you to those who donated tonight. Michael Harneman, J-Rob, David Marr. Petito 100, Slevin A, um, Aaron Hadari, International Man of Mystery, Blair Slater, Jim Housen, Ryan Cost, and the one and only Pedro McManus. Um, to those of you in the chat box, chat box is really interesting tonight. It's been a tough old day. Um, 
we're not good to watch. We're not interesting. Um, it's it's just ah, uh, it's just painful. But c'est la vie. To those of you listening on any other um uh, platform, iTunes, iTunes ratings would be nice, please, people. Five stars, preferably. Talk about how cool I am or how much of a tit I am. It doesn't really matter. You know, whatever your thoughts, it doesn't matter. But five stars would be nice. Thank you very much. Um, a massive thank you to John. Good to have you back, pal. Thank you, Jace. Oh. Glad to be on. Excellent. Um, Drew, good to have you back in the fold as well, pal. Thanks for having me yet again. I enjoyed that. Maybe I'm podded for a while, so it's nice that was. It's good. It's, uh, it's, it's you know... People, games, football's a game of uh, opinions. It will be right, it will be wrong. It doesn't really matter. Um, tomorrow is um, Remembrance Sunday in the UK, where we remember those who've um, uh, been injured or lost their lives, uh, you know, given, given their lives to their country. Yeah, let's not go nuts at Unai Emery. The worst things that happen at sea, and okay, we want him out. We don't have to be abusive. We don't have to be nasty about it. We can just say, look, we want you out. Okay? So let's keep it into in, in perspective, please. Um, Bobby Norza says Carpenter in. That's a bit harsh. You don't deserve that. You really don't. Um, and uh, all the donations we've had tonight, thank you so much, guys. If you, pay, if you donate to via PayPal or anything like that, or to the Boys Movember pages, we really do appreciate it. We're tweeting regularly from the podcast account. Josh, Ginger Harry Potter. Danny deserves to be on the register. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> you know, film noir shredder, you know. She looks like she should be in a speakeasy somewhere with a trench coat and a hat. And the bastard love child of Saddam Hussein and Freddie Mercury, Ellis Mel. You are all fantastic. Um, that's it for tonight. Thank you all so much. Colin RD, we love you too, pal. We really do. Thank you ever so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Don Juan, I don't know, I think we'll try to do an After Dark soon. Let me think about that. All the best, people. Take care. Good night. I'm switching the shit off. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business.